Have you ever tried to teach your children some basic biblical truth and you succeeded in teaching it wrong? Um, the, probably the best example of this for me is I remember one time trying really hard. To, we were gonna focus on the most basic, right? The golden rule, treat other people the way you wanna be treated, okay? I remember teaching, pull, pull my kids out, we're gonna work on this, okay? Treat other people the way you wanna be treated. Treat other people, Jesus said, treat, however you want people to treat you, treat them in that way. And, and we feel like it's going well, that they get it, we talk about it, we review it, and then I leave the room, and then a couple minutes later, I hear screeching and screaming coming from the next room. And I walk in, and one of, one of my children is standing over the other one. Uh, clearly, a physical altercation has occurred. And I say, so what, uh, what just happened? What, what's going on? What are we talking about? Yeah, uh, she, uh, I hit her. Like, what, why did you hit her? Didn't, I thought we talked about how everyone, treat, how everyone treat people, treat them that way. Yeah, I know. And I remember that time she hit me. And so I, remember, I thought, that means she likes it when I hit her. And so I hit her back. So I'm like, I, I don't think that works that way. Um, you know, we, we sometimes, we, we, we always turn uh, treat other people the way you want to be treated into treat other people the way they treat you, right? We always treat it as a response, um, we, we, for some reason, we think it's up to us to settle all the scores, uh, to fix all the problems, and to, and to make, show everybody else how they're wrong. And for some reason, we think that the best way to do that is to yell and scream and shout and fight. You can look at the, at the state of our nation, you can look at the way it's presented on the news or the way we act on social media or even the way we interact with family and you will recognize the fact that, that we are at a, as a country and as a people um, sore, uh, sorely missing this one key dimension of kindness. We're, we're doing a, a series right now called the, called the Fruit of the Spirit and uh, we're talking about all of the different things that the Spirit wants to grow in our lives. And this is so important because uh, kind, the lack of kindness in America today is proof, is proof that we have a hard time growing it in ourselves on our own. We need supernatural help. That's why the Bible calls them fruit of the Spirit. They're not things that you're supposed to do to try harder. They're things that, that the Spirit, that God promises to grow in you, grow in you as we seek the fruit of the Spirit as we walk by the Spirit. In Galatians 5, and 23, Paul lists nine fruit of the Spirit. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. There's nine fruit. By the way, if you ever wanna memorize this, I have a great mnemonic device, which is just an easy way for remembering something, that, that helps me remember the nine fruit of the Spirit. And if this helps you, great. Someone told me this when I was like, like a, like a 12-year-old 12 uh, 12 told me this one time, and, and I had never been able to memorize the fruit of the Spirit until they told me this. And I keep telling other people, hoping it'll help somebody, but it's never, ever, ever helped anybody else but me. So I'm gonna tell you, and if it helps you, please tell me, because I need to know it works. There are nine fruit, and there are three one-syllable, three two-syllable, three three-syllable words. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does that work for anybody else? Try it, try it, you know, everyone's going, no, no. I could not remember it until I learned that thing. Um, <clears throat> but these are nine attributes uh, that, not that we're supposed to try and conjure, okay? The, Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, not by saying, here's the stuff you're supposed to be doing, now get after it. He actually lists it as part of a larger discussion. If you look um, in that passage in Galatians 5 where he talks about it, um, it starts in verse 16 where it says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. And the rest of that chapter, he's actually talk, talking about what the deeds of the flesh are. You see, um, 
the, the fruit of the spirit are, listen to this list and doesn't that sound nice? Or maybe even oppositely, listen to the deeds of the flesh, right? The deeds of the flesh he lists are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension. If all of these things are happening, you go, yeah, all these things are happening. I have no idea how to fix it. The biblical answer is walk by the spirit and see if the spirit doesn't produce love, joy, peace. Well, today we're gonna talk about kindness. We're gonna talk about what kindness is and how we can spot it and live it out um, when what the call looks like for us. <coughs> well, first off, it's important to know what kindness is not. And it's important to realize it's not weakness. It's not lack of conviction. A lot of people associate kindness with simply, um, with simply letting people walk all over you and do what everybody's saying, agreeing with everything. And so therefore you believe nothing and do nothing and stand up for nothing. That's not what kindness is. A kindness is... Uh, kindness is sympathetic concern for other people. It, it just being nice, okay? If you, need a, if you need a fancy biblical definition, let me give you a fancy biblical sounding churchy definition. Kindness is helpfulness to others prompted by an experience of God's redemptive love. Helpfulness to others prompted by an experience of God's redemptive love. It's opposite is just being rude, being mean. For some reason, we think we think that being rude, being mean, being antagonistic, yelling and shouting is the way to fix all the yelling and shouting in the world, right? Being mean is the way to fix all the meanness of the world. And the answer, and the biblical statement is not that, not that at all. So what does it mean to show kindness and how can we learn to live it out? Well, I wanna uh, put my thumb in Galatians 5 and I'm gonna flip over uh, to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, where I think Paul gives us a pretty clear and amazing definition of what kindness is. In Ephesians 4, um, 31 and 32, he says, let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting and malice be removed from you and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Notice he says, um, is your life characterized by bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander, malice? If that's, if that's your life, then the solution to that is not more of it. The solution to that is biblical kindness. You know, we use the, the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB translation at Kingsland, but this is an example of maybe one time where the New American Standard gets the translation a little bit better. The New American Standard translates verse 32 as be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. The verse starts out with be kind, and then the next couple of phrases aren't extra things to do. They're actually definitions of what biblical kindness is. Just be kind. If, if you're a grammar teacher or maybe you did well in English, um, the way it should go is be kind, colon, be compassionate, be gracious, just as Christ forgave you. These are descriptions of that. So I wanna look closely at these three descriptors and try to discover and learn and articulate what the three dimensions of biblical kindness are. The first, biblical kindness means being compassionate. Be kind and compassionate to one another, or back in the NASB, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. The English word compassionate actually comes from two Latin words, Latin passion, which means to suffer, and calm, which is con, like in the phrase chili con queso. Mm. It means with, okay? Um, it means, so calm passion literally means to suffer alongside somebody. 
It's related to the, to the word sympathy. Sin also means with and path means to suffer. Sympathy and compassion both mean to suffer alongside somebody. Kindness starts when you try to see things from someone else's perspective, okay? When you enter into their experience so much that you actually are suffering alongside of them. It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything or abandon our convictions, but it does mean we understand before we argue. There's a, back when I was a professor and I used to teach rhetoric, I would tell my students, uh, here's one of the most core principles of compassion. Never say you disagree until you can say you understand. It doesn't just mean surface understanding. It doesn't mean getting all the facts. It means the facts, but it also means the feelings and the truth, getting deep down into it. In fact, the Greek word that Paul uses here is not, is not, uh, is, is, is not actually from the Latin that we get compassion or sympathy. It's a wonderful, wonderful word that gets kind of translated in the New American Standard as tenderhearted. The literal translation of the, um, of the Greek there means having good guts. See, to, you ever been so moved by, by an emotional experience that it affected you deep down in your guts? Well, Paul says kindness starts when you have that kind of good guttedness towards another human being that you, that, you, that you can understand what they're going through. You're suffering alongside of them and you understand not just in your head and not even just in your heart, but deep down where you keep your guts. That kindness starts there when you can kind of look, through the, look, at, look at the world from someone else's eyes and really see why they might be able to respond the way they have been. You will never be able to change anybody's mind or speak truth to anybody's life until you can understand as fully as you can possibly do so where they are and why they're currently responding the way they are. Biblical kindness means being compassionate, being good gutted. <laughs> Next, biblical kindness means being gracious. Ephesians 4.32 says, forgiving one another. Now the Greek word there that Paul uses isn't the standard word to forgive. It does mean to forgive, but it means more importantly to show grace. It's a, it's a general term. It means to be generous, to overflow with grace. And grace is one of those words that we, <coughs> excuse me, that we uh, use a lot in church, but don't always define. In case, uh, in case you, you need a good definition of what grace is, here it is. Grace is receiving a good thing you don't deserve. Grace is receiving a good thing you don't deserve. The two elements of grace, good thing, you don't deserve it. So when God shows us grace, we don't deserve it, but it's a good thing. It's related to, but not the same thing as mercy, okay? Mercy is not receiving a bad thing you do deserve. Mercy is not receiving a bad thing you do deserve. See how it's related? One of the greatest acts of grace you can extend to somebody, the first act of grace that Jesus extends to us is not giving us the bad things we do deserve. His first act of grace is an act of mercy, but it's not the only act of grace, okay? Paul tells us to be kind and to be gracious to one another. And the place to start is by not giving people all the bad things they think they, we think they deserve, right? I heard somebody say one time, all of us want ourselves to be saved by grace and everybody else to be saved by works, one of, the chief, one of the chief ways in which we show our lack of kindness is our consistent desire to make sure we give everybody else what we think they deserve in every single moment, right? Let me tell you what I think of you. Let me tell you what I think you need to do. Someone asks us for advice and we grind their nose or, or rub their nose in all the past and bad mistakes that they've made in their life. We're called to be merciful. 
We're called to be gracious. We're called to show kindness. And that means not, not beating up people with their past mistakes and giving them good things that they don't deserve. You know, um, one of the places where I find my lack of kindness sort of coming out in spades is, uh, is in the car. I don't know about you, that's, that's a, the primary example of a place where, where we want kindness from other people, we want grace from other people, but we don't show it to other people, right? Um, when, when we're driving and someone else cuts us off, someone else fails to merge, someone else doesn't get over soon enough, someone else is driving 10 miles below the speed limit in the left-hand lane, um, then, we, then all the adjectives come out and all the frustrations come out and all the, and all the anger comes out. In fact, I didn't realize, uh, you know, I talk to people in the car, right? I have a constant narrative with other, other drivers and my kids have pointed out that one of my favorite expressions is, don't be that guy, okay? I'll be driving, oh, come on, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be the guy who waits to merge. Don't be the guy who doesn't know how to merge. Don't be the guy who, come on, don't be that guy. Right? But the moment I'm that guy, there's a reason, an excuse. When someone cuts you off on the highway, the person's a jerk, the person is evil, the person deserves to be rear-ended or all, all of the bad things that you call upon them in that moment because, because you're determined to make sure they learn their lesson. But the time you failed to yield, the time you didn't see, this, the, the, uh, see the, the crosswalk, the, the, the time that you uh, missed the left turn light because you were checking the email on your phone, the time, the time you did it. You wave your arms and say, oh, I'm so sorry. It never happened again. Oh my goodness. Um, we are so determined to teach other people a lesson, but when, we're on, when the shoe is on the other foot, um, we want the grace that we don't extend to other people. The best example of this for me that I experienced, I'm like, wow, you, you, the determination to, to make someone else uh, learn their lesson, even at the expense of our own, even personal safety, happened one time I was driving in an HEB parking lot, Okay. And I was totally in the wrong. I was not driving unsafe. I was not driving distracted. But I, I did not see a stop sign that said, stop for all pedestrians. Okay, coming out of the store. I just didn't see it. And so, but a, but a person walked out of the store and, and I failed to yield and she stepped out in front of me and banged on my hood and waved at the sign and wagged her finger in my face. And I, and I was totally in the wrong. I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. I am so sorry. I, I, should, I didn't see the sign. And I'm like, but you risked your life to teach me that lesson, right? I, if I would have been very wrong and you would have been very hurt by this, right? But that's, that's, how, that's how kindness is. Uh, when, we, when we start using, when we think we can solve the world's problems by not being kind, we put ourselves in that kind of situation where we risk our personal health and our relationships and our jobs to teach other people the lessons we think they need to learn. You know, we realize that, that in those moments that we're, we don't have what it takes, that, that we, even when we try to be kind, we run out of gas on our own. Right? When we, we even, I bet you, you've, you've been in a place where I need to work on being more kind. And you sit there and you go, okay, I'm going to focus on it. And you maybe for a day or a week or even a month, you try to focus on being more kind. And then somebody does something or some, and you say something like this, you are getting on my last nerve, right? That, that you're, you're, out of, you're, out of, you're out of what's in. And that's, that's when you realize that, that this kind of kindness is not something you can manufacture on your own. 
When it's up to you and me, we are always gonna devolve into those deeds of the flesh that Paul talks about, enmity and strife, the yelling, the shouting, and the malice. Um, and that's why Paul ends his discussion with, uh, about kindness in Ephesians. That's why Paul calls kindness a fruit of the spirit. The only way you will ever get it is if the spirit grows it in your life. The only, you, the only way you will ever be able to maintain it long-term is if you don't try to do this, but you try rather uh, to, have, uh, to experience the kindness from God and let that flow in from you into the world. So Paul ends his discussion by saying in, in Ephesians 4.32, just as God also forgave you in Christ. You see, kindness means being grateful. Kindness means grateful. Uh, the only way you will ever be able to show the kindness, to have the compassion for somebody else, uh, to, to show somebody else the grace is if you fully experience the grace from God. That's why I remember the general helpfulness for others, the definition we talked about, um, prompted by an experience of God's redemptive love. You see, it will only ever, the kindness that, did, uh, that, that God has for us, that, we, that God calls us to show to other people will only ever flow into the world when, it's been, when we have been filled up with it from God. You see, <coughs> God showed us kindness in Christ. And once we fully understand truly what that means, we will be able to show that same kindness to other people. The kindness that God shows to us, the graciousness that God never tires and extending to us never means he overlooks sin, right? There's this wonderful word in, in Romans 11, uh, 22, where, where it references God's kindness and severity. What that means is, is God takes sin seriously. He doesn't overlook it. He doesn't dismiss it. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't pretend it's not there. Uh, being, kindness doesn't, being kind doesn't, doesn't mean uh, overlooking or, or losing your convictions. Rather, it shows that uh, kindness is his tireless willingness uh, to show us grace, to give us those good things that we, we deserve, we don't deserve. Romans 2, 4 says this, do you despise the riches of his kindness? restraint and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. That God shows us abundant kindness, that he perpetually never gives up on us, always is eager to show us grace. He goes on to say in a different passage in Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. This is the kind of thing God does for you. And until you have actually experienced it, until you've experienced the loving kindness of God, you will never be able to show it to somebody else. There's a, there's a fancy a Hebrew word I wanna teach you because God's kindness has a special Hebrew word. Um, and it's the Hebrew word chesed. Okay, that K-H, you have to, you have to kind of maybe make that grizzle sound in the back of your mouth, chesed. It gets translated as faithful love or loving kindness, surely goodness and mercy. Sometimes it gets translated in the Old Testament. The best definition is covenant loyalty. God's chesed is his commitment to you no matter what. Okay, he's made a promise and he will follow through on that promise and nothing you do can ever, for, uh, ever cause him to break that promise. It doesn't mean he ever condones sin. In fact, one of the coolest pictures of the, one of the, that the Old Testament teaches us is the, continue, the continual way in which the people of Israel fell into sin and fell into rebellion and fell into forsaking God and how that got them into a whole bunch of trouble and how they kept calling, on, calling back to God and, and how he kept on restoring them. 
I was reading this last week in, in Psalm 107, and it starts off with this way. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love, his hesed endures forever. Okay, and that Psalm is a powerful reminder. Four times, there's four different moments in the Psalms where it talks about the stupid things that, that Israel did that got them into a lot of bad problems. And then four times it says the exact same verse. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he rescued them from their distress. Four times over and over again, they kept messing up and they kept realizing it was because of their sin and they kept crying out to God and, the, and he rescued them from their distress. And then four times it reminds them, let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love, for his chesed and his wonderful works for all humanity. God's kindness means he never tires. You can't wear him out. You can't shock him by your sin. You can't exhaust his love by your sin. He doesn't like it. He desires you to be delivered from it. And he, and he, and he, he promises to never give up on you. He never tires in showing his love and his loyalty to you. And until you experience that, you will never realize that that is what he wants you to show to other people. To, give, to extend other people the same grace, to extend other people the same kindness, to send the other, other people the same devotion, um, to, uh, to be able to really see and understand and appreciate where a person's coming from and why they keep falling into those pits and to long for them, long for them to be redeemed and, and rescued from it. How's this hitting you today? Is your life characterized characterized by the shouting and the malice and the strife and the bitterness that is prone to us all when we live in the deeds of the flesh? Have you tried to, uh, to, to solve the world's problems by adding to the noise? We all need to be reminded of what James says, that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The biblical answer is kindness, that what we need most of all, most of all is to learn to show biblical kindness. We'll only ever get it when we, when we live in the spirit. And, and when we show it, it means we are being truly compassionate, learning to see things truly from someone else's perspective, truly gracious, not persistently feeling like we need to beat people up with all the bad things they've done, but show them, show them abundant patience and give them good things which they don't deserve. And you and I will never, ever be able to do it until we realize it's already been done for us more times than we can count. Let's pray. Father, thank you first and foremost for your faithful love, for your covenant loyalty, for your loving kindness, that you never tire in showing us kindness, even when uh, we wrong you or when we run away. Thank you. Thank you for that kindness. Father, help us to, to recognize how we try to solve the world's problems with adding to the problems through shouting and yelling and fighting and malice and strife. Father, help us to walk by the Spirit. And as we walk by the Spirit, may we, may we experience that love and that kindness that you came to give us. And may we, uh, may we be able to show that kindness, reflect that kindness, pour the kindness you poured into our life, into the world. Help us to be, to be compassionate. Help us to be gracious. And help us to be grateful for what you have done for us through Jesus. I pray this in his name.